Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. I'm Ashley. This is Michael, and you're listening to About a Dog, unless you were looking for a different podcast about dogs. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. We welcome you. Welcome. Yes, come sit, chat, have some tea. We don't have any tea. (laughs) We're all out of tea. Um, Couple things, first Mm -hmm. and foremost. um, Antonio uh, actually reached out through Twitter, so thank you very much for that. We'll be getting to the particular breeds he suggested um, soon. Yep. Um, I also had the privilege of being on the Toku cast again. Uh, I played uh, the... Um, Heroes of the Grid uh, mm-hmm. board game uh, for over five hours. Um, we didn't know how long the stream was going to go, and naturally, Ashley was justifiably upset. But yeah. uh, all the same, it was still a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Marcus and uh, Matt for thank you for inviting me, and look forward to playing at least one game. Mm-hmm. Marcus said one game soon. Yep, but feel free to go ahead and check them out if you want to. Indeed. A lot of cool content. They actually rate Rangers and stuff and talk about Super Sentai, which is basically what Power Rangers are going to become, you know, here. Mm-hmm. Once they're right and proper Americanized. Oh, lovely. <laughs> That's how it works, unfortunately. Um, so, today's a raw tidbit episode. Yeah, which means Ashley's running untethered. No, uh, yeah. no, no notes, no, no... No SME, subject matter expert stuff. Yeah, no sources. Just mm. my opinion on shit. Um, today... Technically, I always express my opinion. Yeah, but today we're going to talk about health testing, why do breeders do it, what it, you know, what can we glean from that. Didn't um, we just do some health testing when you pulled hair from the top of my head? Yeah. So, I mean, health testing, like anything, it's a tool. Yeah. Um, you can... I mean, now with DNA and everything, humans can get their DNA tested. If you do it through 23andMe or Ancestry, you can do kind of your own health testing to see if you are at risk of certain things or passing things on to the next generation. Yeah, that we would did be, that. Yeah, we, we've done that. And also, please, 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 if you have done 23andMe or Ancestry or whatever, up load your test results to GEDmatch and make sure that police have the ability to view it. You can help solve cold cases by that by doing that. Did you do that with our data? I did that with mine. I haven't done that with yours yet. Why not? I don't know, but we can. Okay. But yeah, just do it through GEDmatch. They are... They will use it to find people who committed um... Egregious, egregious murders that have yet to be yeah. solved. Cold case murders, cold case sexual assaults, all of that stuff. Yeah. Upload your DNA to GEDmatch. It is free. It doesn't cost you anything. If you have already done your DNA testing through Ancestry 23andMe, all you need to do is just upload your raw data. That's it. It's very easy. And we get nothing for making yeah. this endorsement, by the way. Not a thing. It's just our recommendation. And so what... I'm going to talk about in terms of health testing for dogs is we're going to do the phenotype testing and we're going to do the actual gene testing. Mm-hmm. Phenotype is what you can visu- visually see. Mm-hmm. The gene testing is what is lurking within those genes and certain markers that are known to be causative agents for disease. Okay. 
the phenotype testing are things like hips, elbows, eyes, heart. They, we do not have the genes mapped out that control elbow dysplasia, hip dysplasia, um, certain eye disorders, um, certain heart conditions, and even epilepsy in dogs. We don't have it. It's not there. Um, another phenotype testing is luxating patellas that's mm -hmm. done primarily for toy, for a toy in smaller breeds of dogs. Um, but we just don't have those genes isolated out yet. And a lot of times, things that are phenotypically tested, where it's done based on visual and examination and results reviewed by vets and all of that, there can be an element of environmental items that are playing against it. Mm -hmm. The gene testing is looking at your dog's specific genes and seeing if they have the genetic markers to either be clear, mm -hmm. carriers, or affected yeah. for certain genes that may be common in all breeds, some breeds, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I personally think that the best way to go is to do both and again we do not get paid by Embark I would no. love to no 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 but Embark is probably the best way to go to get more bang for your buck on the gene testing especially for breeders they really 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 are supportive of breeders and their staff is just really really great if you have any questions or any anything or even if you just want to drop some ideas to them and say hey have you tried this yeah or hey what's going on with this they're there for you mm -hmm. they will answer anything that you have again we do not get sponsored by embark at this time i would but love it would to. be nice it would be wonderful hint, hi embark hint, how's it going hint, hint, hint. um but the point of health the point of health testing is to produce the healthiest dogs that a breeder possibly can. And part of that is making the correct decisions of you would never breed a carrier to a carrier or a carrier to an affected. You can definitely breed a character uh, a carrier to a non-affected and to what's called normal, really. What was that? Um, I just got a pop-up. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but Can't control computer pop-ups. I know. The main thing is these are tools within the breeder's toolbox. toolbox yeah. For the majority of breeds, it is recommended that they have the following tests regardless of breed. Hips, elbows... And at least one gene testing of some sort or one DNA testing of some sort based on the breed. Mm -hmm. For rare breeds, however, like our breed and yeah. like many other rare breeds that are 
in the process of AKC recognition or even at risk of going extinct, it is advised to do as much DNA testing as possible and as much phenotype testing as possible so that the gene pool doesn't get isolated and bottlenecked in, out or into certain things and where it's really tough to control the population and make sure the population is very healthy. Right. There are mutations that pop up. That's just how it is. Yeah. And I'm sure that a lot of people will say, well, this is kind of eugenics where Mm -hmm. you're trying to select certain traits. And I mean, you can even make that argument if you do 23andMe or Ancestry or whatever. But the whole point here is to breed healthier, is to produce healthier. Dog breeding within itself is the longest running eugenics experiment in the world. Because as long as dogs have been domesticated by humans, humans have been breeding for certain traits that suit their needs, which is basically eugenics. Well, I mean, it's also, in regards to dogs, I mean, you wanted certain dogs to have certain jobs, right? Right, right. And that is essentially, I mean, because it's been my opinion, I mean, just with my dog Penny, mm-hmm. I mean, she was fine as is, but she was a little bit high strung. But once she found something that she was good at yeah. and that she excelled at, such as racing, mm-hmm. she's a completely different dog. Yeah, and and that's generally how it is, and it's... Finding that that thing that makes your dog tick is great, but mm-hmm. back to the whole health testing piece. Well, yeah, they're they're essentially yeah. trying to put certain traits that mm-hmm. they want to have into the breed. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong, even if you're attempting to do this just for your own genetic material or anything like that. But yeah. I mean, just to know. What you're getting yourself into if, like, say you're planning to have kids or yeah. if you're planning to have a litter. It's similar. Yeah, it's very similar. Um, so first I'm going to talk about some of the ones that have environmental and genetic causation. The biggie is hip dysplasia. The general rule is if a dog becomes dysplastic... Mm-hmm. And has really bad hips before they are physically mature. Yeah. Then that is considered to be a genetic causation. Basically, it was at the genetic level that that happened. If a dog develops hip dysplasia over time, Mm -hmm. and you don't catch it until they're three or four, maybe even five years old then there is a probability that there has been some form of environmental item at play along with some genetics. Mm-hmm. And they mesh together and form that the, the hip joint and the ball in the socket and all the ligaments around it. The prevailing theory right now is that while testing every single dog that you can as a responsible breeder, the rates of hip dysplasia that they are seeing throughout the U.S. and throughout many countries 
the hip dysplasia rate has stayed constant. It hasn't gone up, hasn't gone down. Yeah. Even though we've been doing, there's been a tremendous amount of health testing to, to try and eliminate that. Mm-hmm. And we are just now getting to the point where we are trying to figure out those genetic causes and the environmental causes. Mm-hmm. Chief among those environmental causes for hip dysplasia is overexertion. Basically overdoing it. Yes. And overexertion from day one, from birth until physical maturity. Mm-hmm. Meaning... The whole point of that is you need to be very, very mindful to not push your dog harder than it needs to. For example, if you have a dog that you want to train as an agility prospect, depending on the breed, no jumps should be taken at all until those growth plates are closed. Because the stress of repeatedly jumping and landing can actually cause injuries while the bones and muscles and ligaments and tendons are forming. And if you were to go and take the dog for its OFAs or pin hip health testing or whatever country health testing that you're doing, the problem comes when those tests are done. They're usually done around two Two years old or older, um, if you're looking at those and you have told the vet, hey, you know, I want this dog as an agility prospect. We've actually been doing a little bit harder than we should have, been doing repetitive jumps and all of that. It will show up on an x-ray, without a doubt. And a good vet that does what... They need to do, and it's familiar with OFA or pen hip. Will tell you, I don't think you should submit these to the vets or whatever. In, in the U.S., that's fine, but in other countries where hip testing is mandatory, it gets a little tricky. So, for those that may not be familiar, because I mean, I was with you during the last OFA mm-hmm. test. And we did that for Raven, and they were just basically testing her hips. But what about those that are unfamiliar with heptagonal type of test? So what is done, and and it's based on different countries and different rules and regulations. So (coughs) in the U.S., we have OFA, which stands for Orthopedic Foundation for Animals. And then you have PIN-HIP. PIN-HIP is based on an elasticity score which is very it's based on elasticity score and the actual bones themselves yeah um which is very very similar to the international standard in countries like the uk sweden norway germany uh, australia new zealand um and what the vet does for ofa is for the most part there needs to be some form of sedation involved. Mm-hmm. Those of you who are saying, oh, I don't want any sedation whatsoever, fine, that's on you. A lot of vets, especially now, during COVID, will not let you come back in the x-ray room and help hold your dog's legs down. 
Yeah, because I think we got Raven sedated, so we weren't yep. back there. Yeah, and it was it was a mild sedation, mm-hmm. and all it was was to relax her and not have her fight in the position that the vet needs to put her in to take those specific x-rays. Right. And I advise you, if you are looking, and if you're a novice, and you're like, oh, I want to get my dog's hips tested or whatever... Make sure you go to a vet that is familiar with OFA testing or is pin hip certified. Right. Otherwise, you're looking at a vet that is very inexperienced in what they're doing and can and will fuck up your testing. So, even if you're regular vet, doesn't do them or is not familiar with them yeah they should be able to tell you who to go to to have them done and the position so the dog will lay on its back mm-hmm. on the x-ray table and for OFA they will pull the legs down mm-hmm. so that they can view the entire hip bone like the femur and then the ball of the head and then the pelvis and the socket where the hip fits into the pelvis. And they are also looking at vertebra Mm -hmm. from the lower back down to the tail. Then after the x-rays are done, you then send them off to the OFA. The OFA has different vet members that are reviewing the x-rays and it's done in a panel. So you can have... A vet that goes, nope, these are excellent, or these are good, these are good. Mm-hmm. And then they'll average the two, or average the three. And the scores are excellent, good, fair, mild, moderate, severe. Wow, no poor. No. Hmm. So what's considered to be passing is excellent, good, fair. Mm-hmm. What's considered to be not passing is mild, moderate, severe. Mm -hmm. The next one that's usually done and is definitely recommended for every single breed, regardless of the breed, but especially for larger breeds, is elbow testing. Right. Elbows are a little bit trickier to say a true environmental cause. But for the most part, it is mostly genetic with a little tiny bit of environmental. Mm-hmm. It is not as susceptible to environmental changes as the hips are because the hips, the hips and the like, basically like the butt area <laughs> is a lot of muscles. Mm-hmm. And you can even compare it to humans. Mm-hmm. Same structure. And the elbows, same thing with humans. There's not a lot of musculature. It's just the way that dogs, humans, a lot of mammals are built. Yeah. Um, but that's not saying that some envir- environmental causes won't play a factor. Like if a puppy sustains an injury to one of the, like the radius or the 
um, ulna or humerus bones or whatever. Right. They are they are mainly looking at the elbow joint itself mm-hmm. and how that fits in together. A lot of people, a lot of layman's. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Are layman's in terms of reviewing X-rays and stuff like that. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> can actually look at hip X-rays. No problem, and be able to see if there's damage or things like that. No, because I looked at Raven's X-ray and I couldn't. Oh my god! Pardon the pun, but I couldn't make heads or tails of it. (laughs) (laughs) But I think if I were to show you, plastic dog, the hip bones wouldn't even be in the sockets. They would, Mm. and might, and the actual head, the the head of the hip, the femoral head. Would be sh- like ground down, like it wouldn't. Oh. Be, yeah, it lo- just by looking at those X-rays, it looks painful. Yeah, hence why I was cringing. But for elbows, it's a little bit different. Elbows generally, you you do need a a trained vet to tell you. And with elbows, also the scoring is different for OFA. Yeah, it is normal. Or fail. Anything other than wow, normal. Wow, pass fail. That's yeah. all you get. <laughs> yeah. And I think the fail, they'll tell you what the reason is. Yeah. And if you got some sort of injury reasoning behind it, then maybe, you know, whatever. Things will change. Um, another one is eye testing. Those who test eyes, you have to do it yearly. Hmm. Um, and it has to be done by a veterinary ophthalmologist or whatever mm-hmm. which good luck finding them that sounds very niche it is <laughs> and cardiac testing depending on the breed you can have it done at your regular vet's office mm-hmm. or you can have it done at um a veterinary cardiologist again good luck finding one yeah Heart testing is generally one of the most expensive ones to have done, depending on the breed. The hip testing, depending on your location, expect to pay expect to pay about two hundred dollars to three hundred dollars. Hmm. Those hip X-rays are only done once in the dog's lifetime. Yeah. So fine, do it, whatever. The next ones that we're going to talk about are the DNA ones. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cover a few different genes, what they do, and all of that. Again, Embark, all of these genes that I'm going to talk about, Embark includes as part of their standard health testing package that they do for breeders and purebred dogs. Standard operating procedure, got it. One of them. MDR1. You've mentioned that to me before. Mm-hmm. MDR1 is common in herding breeds, specifically those that have what's called Irish spotting, yeah. where they have a white chest, white muzzle, white feet, white tip of the tail. And what that gene does is it makes processing certain heartworm medications life-threatening. Sounds like, sounds like an issue in regards to you know pharmacy dosage. 
And, like, they can't take anything that is ivermectin-based at all. You mm-hmm. give a dog with MDR1 mutation, even as a carrier, mm-hmm. it could be lethal. Damn. So, with the Hamilton breed, because they are marked so similarly mm-hmm. to a lot of these, like, breeds where it's affected. Yeah. I was like, hell yeah, do MDR1. Yeah. Just from my peace of mind. Thankfully, our guys are not affected. It is really, really, really common in Border Collies, Australian Shepherds, um, I want to say Australian Cattle Dogs, English Shepherds, um, some of the Corgis. Part of it is, like, if your dog can come in Merle, Mm -hmm. they can have MDR1. Yeah. So I would be interested to see if the Norwegian Dunker has a problem with that because they are one of the one of the few larger hounds that comes in Merle. Yeah. Um, the next one we're going to talk about is DM. DM is what would be the equivalent of kind of ALS and muscular dystrophy. Combined for so, people. So so the dog equivalent of Lou Gehrig's disease. Yes. And there is a gene that is connected and it's for all breeds. However, certain breeds have a risk of it more than others. And there is a theory that there might be another gene mutation for them. The DM and the MMR1, are those acronyms for something? I mean, do they specifically stand for something? And if so, does it actually have any relevance? So the MDR1, I know it does, but I honestly can't remember what it is. So it just so happens, um, my Google research here for the definition of the MDR1, or the multi-drug resistance mutation 1 refers to a specific mutation that can occur at a gene identified as the MDR1 gene, also known as the ABCB1 gene of certain medications. Mm-hmm. Like you described, uh, mutations will show negative re- effects from drugs at doses that are readily tolerable by dogs without the mutation. Uh, one of the ones pictured in the Google search when you hook up this particular gene, I believe is Kali. Yep. Yeah. Lassie there. Um. So that's what MDR1 is. DM is degenerative myelopathy. Um, With DM, there is one gene that we know controls the majority of cases, but there's also a prevailing theory that there might be another gene, specifically in German Shepherds and other related breeds to German Shepherds, Mm -hmm. where they might have another DM gene because we just don't know why some dogs, especially in certain German Shepherd lines, are listed as carriers for DM or clear for DM and then end up showing very much DM characteristics later on in life. Right. So there's a little bit of a mystery there. The next one is DCM, which is dilated cardiomyopathy. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of genes at play here, and this disease actually had a big hot button issue within the dog world and it I think it even made its way to like CNN and some major news outlets in that 
there has been a suspicion that feeding your dog grain-free uh, yes. can cause dilated cardiomyopathy to happen when they showed no symptoms, but that research was fundamentally flawed because they didn't test the individual dogs for the DCM genes when they were doing the study. So we don't know of their gene status prior to... It's kind of invalidating the research, Right, right. And some of the... There were some conflicts of interest in that research study where a lot of them were being paid by Purina and Nestle and, yeah. Not to name names, but, you know. Yeah. So there's some flaws in that study, but there are also some decent findings in that it's showing that some dogs that may be at risk of DCM through gene or breed or whatever Mm -hmm. may have an adverse reaction to certain proteins that are not meat proteins that that don't produce taurine because that's what's a um, the deficiency that's going on mm-hmm. they notice is that the actual meat protein item the taurine is yeah. lower than they expect for the protein content of that particular food which is one of the ingredients you definitely find in energy drinks like monster yes and Red Bull. That's why it's called Red Bull is because it comes from taurine is an enzyme or protein or whatever that comes from beef. Mm-hmm. Hence taurine, bull, Red Bull, all that. Oh, okay. So, um, but DCM, there's a there's a primary gene that can impact many, 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 many breeds, and there's the Doberman specific gene. There might be some evidence to show that that gene is coming through in other breeds, but to those that have experienced DCM with their own dogs, it is a horrible thing to experience. DCM is also in cats as well. Is this where they just... They just drop dead. They just drop dead, yeah. Um, we actually had someone mm-hmm. um, familiar to the show yeah. who experienced that with one of her dogs, so... With one of her cats. Well, I was actually referring to uh, R.C. Oh, no. R.C. didn't die of DCM, I oh. think. Because, I mean, she, I know she just dropped stone dead. Kira did. Oh, okay. So, so I was thinking of the wrong dog. Yeah, you know, one of our friends who has Doberman's um, was horrible. Uh, she knew that the dog was a carrier. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Which is one of the advantages of genetic testing. Yes, she knew, and part of what the Doberman clubs do is they require an additional health test mm-hmm. for the heart that I don't think any other breed has right now, mm-hmm. and they have to wear these form-fitting 24-hour heart halter monitors. Yeah. And then the data is sent back and they get a report. And it's just something that Dobermans, they do as part of their breed's health testing on top of the gene testing for DCM. And it's to hopefully learn more about DCM and prevent it going forward because it is extraordinarily prevalent in Doberman. Mm -hmm. Is there any particular reason why it would be prevalent? 
Or is it just genetically based? I am not sure why, but it started cropping up probably about maybe 40 years ago. Wow. And it's just been getting worse and worse and worse. And it's not just one line. It is pervasive across the entire breed. Mm. Um, And they're just not sure what's going on. Theirs can't be the only breed that's affected by this, though. Well, how how it happens is with those two genes, mm-hmm. they actually interplay with one another. So even if the Doberman is like a carrier of one type and a carrier of another, mm-hmm. they're more likely to have DCM, even though they don't they don't they're not affected in both genes, and dogs can be affected. In one gene and not the other, and it, it's it's kind of getting into dominant versus recessive. Well, it, it is, but those two genes end up counterplaying and amplifying certain things on top of another. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it's just one of those items where you really got to test for it. You have to be prevalent. You have to be very persistent. And again, this work. One of our catchphrases come from, yes. do, do your, your homework. homework, because if you go to a breeder of Doberman and they can't tell you their dog's DCM status... Turn around, walk away. Run. <laughs> Just run. Walk, don't run. Actually, <laughs> or run, don't, don't walk. walk. Run. <laughs> um, and then the, the next thing that we're going to cover is after you've health tested... What do you do with those Yeah, what results? do you do with the results? Yeah, what do, what do I do with all these ones and zeros and all this gibberish? So, there's there was an article that came out probably about three to four years ago mm-hmm. by the amazing Pembroke Welsh Corgi breeder, Bill Shelton. Mm-hmm. And he he put things in a, in a way that was very... It was it was very easy to understand, mm-hmm. and that is, just because your dog fails a health test, yeah, that does not mean that you need to throw that dog out of the population of the breed, because regardless of how we see it, mm-hmm. genetic diversity in all breeds is declining. Mm-hmm. So what that particular dog could provide to another dog could be great. So especially if you get say you have a dog that let's do rat terriers for example. Okay. They are pro- they are known to have um PLL, which is primary lens luxation on their eyeballs. Okay. Say you have a dog that is has passed every single health test. Mm-hmm. Except PLL. Yeah. And it is affected. Do not toss that dog out of the gene pool. Yeah. If it can be bred to a non-affected. Then, just by Punnett squares, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a litter of all carriers. And then, for that generation, as long as you breed to other non-affected dogs 
your rates of having a carrier go down. Right. So there are ways that a breeder can use this tool, these testing, and all of, all of these health testings as a tool. If you have a dog that meets the breed standard that in every single way is great, but it fails one test. One failure does not yeah. a failure in the dog make, basically. Right. I mean, there are some that are end-all, be-all hard stops. Mm-hmm. Like, if they are affected with DM or affected with hip dysplasia, um, if they are affected with DCM, then those should be hard stops. Yeah. Because these are things that are life-threatening, mm-hmm. debilitating, and painful. Now, when you're talking about heart stops, you're talking similar to, because this is just the way I picture it in my mind, whereas you have one particular male, mm-hmm. right, and you breed this particular male to a female. Yes. Okay, that produces a litter of puppies. Fine, good, well, and dandy. Yep. Now, you mentioned the genetic diversity is on the decline. Is this because they're using the same male, maybe mm-hmm. to the same female, or just the same male genetic material over and over again? So, it, a lot of breeds are suffering from popular sire syndrome, where mm-hmm. people are breeding to the same stud over and over and over again. Right. And you're not getting the diversity of various different stud dogs that are coming in, and it is just reducing the genetic diversity that's there because you've got maybe five or six sires that were used back in the 80s and that a certain breed can trace its back to that like a lot of a lot of show beagles yeah can trace their um ancestry back to one stud dog that produced it like almost a hundred champions so in his lifetime yeah. so they think about that yeah that then turns exponentially mm-hmm. to you've got this source dog and then it's splintering out and everywhere and then it's, you're breeding back into it and then you're weaving back in and out. It's kind of like using a stud horse that's mm-hmm. won the Kentucky Derby, as it were. Right. And with, the, the genetic diversity piece is, is critical because say you have... A stud dog that on the face of it, mm-hmm. health testing is clear, all of that stuff is clear, whatever. But say he's bred to a bitch that has, that is affected in some way, shape, or form, and then the offspring of that stud dog turns out to be better than him. Yeah. And then that dog is bred. And so it's, you've got little things and little, like, it's like a web that's mm-hmm. interlacing itself back and forth and back and forth. And the thing that you want as a whole is you want a little bit more of heterozygous behavior. So in other words, not using the same mm-hmm. male, but maybe going outside the genetic line possibly. Because it's been my experience that genetics tends to like variety. It does. And if you bring new material into it, it produces interesting and different results, but it depends on the male you choose because Mm -hmm. that can... Yeah. You're looking for specific type of results when you're a breeder. Right. And then, so there are... Not that I am one. I'm just, you know, posing a question for the layman. It it, it is a good question. And 
then it brings into the idea or notion of bringing other breeds in mm-hmm. to that particular breed to get rid of a certain gene or what have you. Mm-hmm. The biggest project that's going on right now is the LUA Dalmatians. So LUA stands for low uric acid. A lot of Dalmatians, it was showing that their uric acid was getting dangerously high and stones and bladder stones and all that stuff was happening. So what they did is they bred to pointers a while back to kind of help out the low uric acid thing that was cropping up over and over. And now you have these dogs that are 20, 25, maybe even 30 Mm -hmm. years away from that initial cross that are genetically Dalmatians. But Mm -hmm. because of that cross back in the 80s or early 90s, some people are saying, well, those Dalmatians are not Pure, da- not pure, pure, pure Dalmatians. Yeah. Um, well, if you look at some French royalty, mm-hmm. that bloodline what is what was kept pure by keeping it in the family as exactly. Were, and, and look what ended up happening. Right, and, and you've got a lot of breeds, especially that were created in the 1800s, were created based on breeding siblings to siblings. Yeah. Which, again, problematic. Because it's the same genetic material mm-hmm. that kind of produced them. Yeah. And, and it's a, kind of like making a copy of a copy. It's mm-hmm. not going to be as clear. And, and the whole point of it is to breed these dogs as pure as possible, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, one of those breeds that was created based on littermates being bred to one another is one of the most popular dogs in the U.S. right now. Golden Retrievers. Yeah. So... You have to be very careful when breeding any purebred dog. It's not just a matter of male to female, oh, let's make puppies. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of work. It's a lot of dedication. And with health testing in mind, it is one tool that a breeder uses to determine who is the best match for their particular dog. And it goes both ways. I'm not saying that the the bitch owner is mostly responsible. And I'm not saying the stud dog owner is mostly responsible. It goes both ways. Because if the stud dog is being bred to basically anything with four legs that resemble it, <laughs> then you're going to end up with a bottleneck like five years later. Yeah. Where you really can't breed back into it and it fir- so with a population bottleneck like that mm-hmm. it also firms up type so mm-hmm. anything that is not related to this dog yeah stands out in a crowd right especially in a lineup in the show ring where you're like oh what the hell huh okay <laughs> so a lot of that is on the stud dog owner to be very, very, very conscious and say, no, I do not want my dog to be bred over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, 
the Hamilton breed ha has limitations and checks and balances in it. Right. Because the Norwegians and the Swedish breed clubs limit the male to being bred ten times in his lifetime. Right. So then you're guaranteed that that stud owner is going to be more careful in who he allows his dog to be bred to. His or her. Yeah, their dog to be bred to. Yeah. And I think if a lot of breed clubs did that in the U.S. where mm -hmm. they said, hey, let's limit this, then you have to get creative. You have to bring in new studs that you wouldn't think of. And I think the... The variations in the genetic diversity would help tremendously. No, it's very American. No, breed of this dog. Do it now. <laughs> and I know we need more dogs. <laughs> and I know that this is a dry topic. I understand, but it, and it is a very, very, very specific breeder topic. Well, I mean, if anything, you're you're bringing attention to something that not a lot of people. I mean, I know for a fact. Mm -hmm. Before Raven and Celine even existed, this was not something I was even remotely aware of. Yeah, mm -hmm. You were doing genetic, you know, you know, background in mm -hmm. regards to the the male and the female and, and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So it became a little bit more fascinating to me. And especially when you were wanting to breed both Raven and Celine, you wanted, mm -hmm. the term I think you used was an outcross. Yes. Uh, where it was genetic material that was not of their line, but was separate, but still mm -hmm. would bring its own yeah. genetic material that would be beneficial to the table. Yeah, and would complement yeah. each one of those dogs specifically. And I mean, it's not like an arranged marriage. I just don't realize that right now. Kind we, of will, we will have this girl breed to this man here, and we shall have wonderful babies. <laughs> kind of what it is. That's exactly what it is. I don't know him. You're married to him. Congratulations. <laughs> Have fun. Um, so, one thing I do want to mention here yes. is there is not one single breed or line within a single breed that does not have some sort of health issues behind it. Period. Every breed is known for its health issues, and yes. I'm fairly certain there are you know listeners now who are breeders going, "Oh my God, yes! Let me tell you." And <laughs> that is what you have to do: is be extraordinarily knowledgeable about your lines, be confident enough to say, "Hey, I know what exists," and then use that tool to help make sure it doesn't happen in the future. So essentially, the, the bottom line in regards to this is to do your homework. It is. Essentially, the genetic test is another form of research into your own breed. Right. And one critical aspect of, of this whole thing is I want other breeders to shut the fuck up oh. about judging other people based on what they're breeding. You are no different than what that breeder is doing. I know where this is coming from now. And if you say that, you know, X dog behind this person and whatever has produced what, you know, certain genetic disease or, or whatnot, whoop de friggin' do. Yeah, sit look down at, in your corner and shut the fuck up. I mean, look at your own pedigrees. If you can sit there and look at your own pedigrees and realize that, oh shit, you know. 
Oh, it's very easy for yeah. someone to stand from the corner, point, and shout without having any evidence, especially in this day and age. But with other individuals mm-hmm. who actually have put in the work, mm-hmm. you know, have actually done the breeding, everything like that, you know, they don't have time for armchair generals or, no. or last-minute quarterbacks saying, no, you should have done this. Um, I don't see you doing anything. Right. And one crucial aspect of it, of health testing, and it is one of the most important things that a breeder can do regarding health testing and health testing results. Be fucking honest. Oh, absolutely. Um, Don't hide shit. Don't sit there and say, oh, my dogs are the healthiest things. And the next thing you know, you find out after you've spent thousands of dollars on your dog. To be proven to the contrary. Yeah. And find out that one of your dogs did have a genetic condition called Rage Syndrome, Mm -hmm. and that dog had to be put down at three years old because it developed a neurological condition, but yet you still let that dog be bred three and four times. So wait, they're allowing that particular genetic material to be passed on? Yes. And then not saying anything about it. It's like a Jerry Springer episode. So breeders, use it as a tool. Use that health testing as a tool and be fucking honest. Really? Don't hide it. Everybody that breeds has some form of health testing and health issues in their lines. Mm-hmm. For example, I'm open and fucking honest. There are dogs in my line mm-hmm. where their offspring have produced epilepsy. Yeah. I am damn near certain. Almost every single breeder, regardless of breed, can say the same. If they'll admit it. Yeah, if they'll admit it. Now, what do you do with that epileptic dog? Right. Don't fucking breed it. Don't. Yeah. Because... That's, what, that would be one of the hard stops you mentioned yeah. earlier. And it, it is... It's one of those things of... Don't... Hide. Be honest. Be forthcoming. Yeah. Tell people. Yeah. When they come to you and they want to know, hey, what's behind your line? What's going on? What do you expect from this breeding? Yada, yada, yada. Be honest. Mm -hmm. And if you say to an owner, to a prospective owner, that they, they... you will have the hips and x-rays done if you pay extra for your puppy mm-hmm. run away because no dog should be bred regardless of breed even mixes unless they've had some form of health testing done right if an unbiased health testing there you go that's even better and if, if that breeder can't sit there and pull out an embark sheet mm-hmm. that puts it in plain layman terms of what they are affected, clear, carrier, whatever, or if they can't go, if you can't go on OFA.org, mm-hmm. put in that dog's registered name mm-hmm. and see results pop up. Good night, everybody. Yep. <laughs> Testing is only important and it's only as valid as the people that do them and the people that use them. Nice. So, 
be honest, be upfront, do your fucking homework. It is one of those topics that I think people need to do more soul searching about that they're breeding dogs. Their goal is to breed them so that they can be healthy companions for the next generation. That's great. But be honest. Yeah. Tell people. It's 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 not too much different in regards to, I mean, we've actually discussed, you know, having kids and mm-hmm. we're worried about me, I we both have thyroid condition, we both have asthma, mm-hmm. but I also have regretfully cancer in my family. I also have ALS. And I also have clubfoot in my family. Right. Um and some like back issues mm-hmm. in my family. So I mean I don't think the issues your with your mom's heart have anything to do with Well, I mean that does have a genetic component, but Those are things that I think a lot of parents Mm. or want to be parents. Yeah. And people that are trying to decide if they want to have kids. These are things that they take into account around that particular time when they're... Yeah, and and they discuss things and they, you know, do the pros and cons. And Mm -hmm. most of the the time they just hope for the best. Right. And I I think breeders as a whole, I think we... It would be interesting to see if we could go that route. Yeah. Because genetic diversity would probably help things out tremendously. Mm-hmm. And instead of basically picking and choosing and saying, Oh my God, my dog is this. Yeah. I need to spay and neuter immediately. Mm-hmm. I think there could be other options. Yeah. If you're just, if you're careful and you understand your pedigrees and you understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole judging of people just sucks. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's the main thing here is health testing is a tool. Mm-hmm. It can be beneficial and mm-hmm. because if you don't have knowledge and you're just doing it willy-nilly, then... Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to help you. Yeah, and all dogs carry some sort of genetic thing going on that's somewhere in the lines or whatever and it's just what you decide to do and how you use that information Mm -hmm. and how you maintain your breed and what your hope and vision for the future of that particular breed is and it's it's not easy it's not designed to be easy no but that that's what you do anything worth doing in life is never easy yeah i mean that that's just how it all works right um, so I think we should probably wrap up or nearly an hour. Well, um, I do want to mention, I hope everybody had a safe and COVID free Thanksgiving. Yep. I um, hope you're staying safe out there. Yep. Um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Um, it and, really helps. It really does. It metrics helps. is always counted. It helps other people find the podcast. Right. Not like Antonio. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> word of mouth is great too. So yeah. tell your friends, all of that. Check out the Toku cast as well mm-hmm. when you get an opportunity. I shared a tweet to the live stream. Yes, it is five hours, but I plugged the show at like the very top of that, and it was a fun game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at aboutadog1, uh, Instagram at aboutadogpod. You can reach out to us, mm-hmm. uh, aboutadogpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook yep. at 
about a dog pod. Yep. And with that, we thank you so much for listening. You guys are great. Greatly appreciate any and all, you know, listeners. It's always Mm -hmm. welcome. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Much appreciated. Go hug your dog. No matter what genetic deformities they have, hug your dog. Hug your dog. They love you anyway.